I mean, it was really, I have to say, really vivid. I mean, and you were a star. Well, what? You, you were the co-star. You were the co-star in this. It was so strange and so surreal. Is this going to be disturbing? It's, I don't think it's disturbing, but it's just something that, you know, once I um, once I was doing it, by the way, a dog <laughs> just like burst into the room. Of course, of all days, we don't have video going. Uh, Ollie just decided to show on up in here and, and uh, start that. Really we are broadcasting from my house, and that's just something that, uh, that happens. Ollie's a star. There's a dog in here, and it's on the day there a video crash, so I apologize to everybody. All right. Thanks, buddy. Anyway, hello everyone. This is Fun Employment Radio. I'm Greg Nibbler here with Sarah X. Dillon. Thank you so much for tuning in today, wherever and however you listen. It is so fantastic that you do so. Of course, we are live here five days a week on the Fun Employment Radio Network and available via podcast all over the internet, wherever podcasts can be found. And thank you for finding us. It is, of course, April 20th. That's 420. Uh, 420, 2020, here on the show. Oh, boy. And, oh, yeah. It's, uh, a, oh it's, boy. A big, it's a big holiday. For some people, it is. It um, is a big also, holiday. I'm sorry. That just made my entire day when Ollie just pops in. I know. And I, that's why I want to apologize to everybody who does is a Fun Employment Radio subscriber <laughs> or a member of the Supporters Club. Um, we've been having some tech things, and it's because our equipment sucks. And that's what I'm just going to be honest with you. So that's I'm, I'm looking well, to get knows. this all these are These are different upgrade. times, and we had to relocate our studio you know, from our actual yeah. professional studio. So we're it's growing pains, but we're making it work. We're making it work, but uh, there will be no video today. But that's that's okay. The, the podcast is still here as always and here for your enjoyment and i do want to thank everybody who goes to funemploymentradio.com as well clicks on the audible link if you're trying to deciding to try out some audiobooks now now is the time to do so and of course that's where you can click through on that link funemploymentradio.com that's wonderful there it is all right mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to know what you were talking I, about i know though. we've got our, our guest rick emerson who's going to be joining us who's our monday apocalypse guest yes but as he apocalypse. was even stressing to me he's like he really doesn't have anywhere to be so, he's <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine if we're a little late we're i think everything's okay uh so Here's what's going on, and this is, I, I this is just the weirdest dream, but it was so vivid. You're for making me. me really nervous. Okay, well, it starts off with this. Okay, I was on a film set. Of course, you were. like, well, here's the thing: I was on a film set where it was shooting for a movie, and probably like a television movie is what it felt like. It was in like a a rural, like a suburban neighborhood, not rural, suburban neighborhood with like white picket fence style, like big house. And you were one of the stars of the movie. I was not in the movie. I was there. Wait, your ego allowed you to have a dream about a movie that you were not in? It was very upsetting. Oh, my God. I know. I was not in this movie. No, I was there on the set of this movie. And it was a full, like, big production, like, directors and, like, everybody, you know, hustle and bustle of a movie set filming in, like, this. Hustle and bustle. Wow, Greg. (laughs) What? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of movies. It was, like, well, it's a dream version, too. So it's, like, Mm -hmm. cliche, like, oh. People are walking through, We've got to get the lights up. And, yeah, people are carrying tables back and forth. Yeah, and, like, a giant, like, window pane. Yeah, exactly. There's a craft services lady making coffee and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And there are the people sitting, like, at the craft service, like, uh, cafeteria tables in their costumes and stuff still. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody dressed like a dinosaur or something. Fully. Fully like that, you know. And then a director like, get this over here. It was very important. But the set was in a kitchen and like like a dining room table set. And it was you and you had a co-star. And so the movie was about the two of you and this like kind of almost like a like a comedy setup, you know, a, a little bit. Um, probably because of what how much lifetime you've been talking about. Maybe that was part of it. So here's the thing. Okay. You're make, okay, what kind of Lifetime movie? Well, I don't know exactly, but I mean, lighthearted. But the, your co-star, uh, this is where it's weird, okay. because I have no idea why I even thought about this person. But did you ever watch um, 
well, Howard Stern back in the day. I mean, I was a fan of Howard Stern. I never really listened to him, but... Do you know what the Whack Pack is? No. <laughs> the, the Whack Pack was was Howard Stern's like weird group of characters that, that would always like be on the show. And they were real people, as far as I know, maybe playing it up a little bit. I've never even heard of them. Okay. And I haven't t- thought about Howard Stern in years, other than, you know, I watched an interview with him uh, with, on David Letterman. And, and I like Howard Stern, but I do not listen anymore. But there was this guy named Beetlejuice. Who used to be on the show. I know who that is. You know who Beetlejuice is? Yes. And <clears throat> He's a little guy, right? The Be- Beetlejuice is, uh, is yeah, he's he's the little guy. And he's got some, like, he's got some strange teeth. Yeah, he's got I, some I, I re- things going I on. I vividly remember. Yes, I know who. Well, he was your co-star. <laughs> Isn't and he? And you two. Didn't he pass away? Wait, did he? I'm pretty sure he. Are you sure about that? Double check on that. I mean, maybe this was a message from beyond, but, um. Uh, let me make sure. Craig's googling it right now. I gotta check now. Did he? Did he pass away? No, he didn't. He's fine. What are you doing, Jesus? You're making me paranoid here. Although this is just a dream and a weird one at that. Yeah, it's not like you're saying anything bad about. I'm not I, just, saying, I no. seriously had thought you bad. Okay, well then, for sure. All right, so he is. He is alive and kicking. And he's uh, my co-star in your dream. And movie. he's the co-star of the movie. And it's you two. <laughs> what are as, we just like an odd couple? <laughs> you're like a couple. No, because there was no reference to the fact that he's a strange individual. It was just normal. It was just Beetlejuice, and you were you were the co-star. You two were a couple, and it was like a what like, like a, a house couple, couple? setting. Yeah, and Greg, you're that's like, just weird. I, I know, I know, it's weird, and and it, that was kind of what the movie was about. It was like a like a romantic comedy kind of thing with you, Ew. with you and Beetlejuice, <laughs> and not the Michael Keaton Beetlejuice. Let me clarify, Beetlejuice from Howard Stern show. You can look him up. I don't even know why he was called Beetlejuice, but. That's what he was called. And um, and and then, like, I was on the set because you invited me to be able to come down and see it. So I had, like, a pass to be there. Was I like, look, Greg, I'm living your dream. No, it wasn't like a – not everything's like that. I don't know how, why you think in my mind, like, everything's this competition and I'm jealous of anybody being successful. Like, that's – Whoa, this I character didn't say that any you of created, that. It just came out of your face. No, this character that you've created for me is something. But anyway <laughs> – no, I was like, oh, wow, that's really awesome. Can I can I meet Beetlejuice? And you're like, yes, all right, but he's really busy, but we'll go over and we'll meet him. And so you got me a pass. like the, You walked me through the set because you were the star, and I got and I, I talked to him, and he was very dismissive of me. And uh, and then he just turned around and walked off, and I was like, wow, that was really awkward. He's like, and you're like, yes, but he's very busy. You have to understand. And so I was like, okay. Uh, all right. And then you're like, no, so okay. We don't even like talk like humans to each other in the stream. No, you're like, he's well, very he's very busy. busy. <laughs> well, you were, you were the star, remember? So it's like, that's how you were acting. And I was like, all right, all right. And then you led me over to the craft services table and told me I could get a sandwich. And then you turned around and left too. And then that was, that was kind of it. Then I just hung around the set the rest of the day and watched the two of you film these scenes, you know, during the lights, camera, action stuff. And it was you and you and Beetlejuice acting out these goofy scenes in this uh in this kitchen like at a dining room table where you're having like your romantic comedy you know romantic comedy <laughs> oh no a f- little fights like joke fights and stuff like that was <laughs> the two go back and forth that's what the dream was about i don't know i don't know what the apocalypse is going to be but that's what i that's what i dreamed about that is you know what my apocalypse dream i don't know are um is all the stuff coming is it seeping into your dreams hmm. because last night i always have this continuous dream where i'm in this place it is always the same building, but it changes where it is an airport slash mall slash school. 
Like it depends on what dream I'm having, but sometimes it's a it's a shopping mall. Okay. Other times it's an airport. Other times it's a school. It's a, it's one like uh, constantly evolving building. Okay. That is in my dream. All right. Um, but I remember last night I had a dream that um, that somebody I was walking through the mall, you know, and I was like walking really slow. I always have that thing where like I can't walk very fast, and it feels like you my legs. You can't walk very fast. Yeah. Like it, you have like. Like jelly like legs, molasses or... legs, like really, like I'm stuck to the ground. Right? That sounds scary. Are it's things super chasing scary. You? No, but I just can't get anywhere. Okay. Usually, I'm like trying to catch a plane or something, and I'm trying to, and then I can't and you're move very fast. So slow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are kind of a slow walker anyway, so it does kind of make sense that. Okay, you nibblers walk way too fast. That's true. Uh, yeah, so I'm like walking through molasses, and then I totally. This is when I can tell that it's trying to seep into my subconscious. Uh-huh. As I was walking by someone, and they coughed on me. Oh no! And I, I remember I was freaking out, and then I turned, and then I was like trying to run away from them, and I couldn't move my legs. And then all of a sudden, everyone was coughing, and they were all like, and I was in this like shopping mall, and I couldn't move. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I think I'm more fucking stressed out about this than I thought I was. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's <laughs> yeah. coming through, you know. And and I totally. can totally understand. Mike that. said I'm having dreams where I'm upset because people aren't social distancing from me. I had the same thing where I was waiting in line to get movie tickets a, a couple nights ago. Or uh, concert tickets, and it was some version of the Roseland Theater, mm-hmm. and I was waiting at the, their box office, which they don't really have. It was just like something in my dream that they had. Yeah, and somebody was like just standing right up on me and breathing on me. I remember just thinking, like, what are they doing? Don't they know they can't be doing that? I think this is a perfect opportunity to bring Rick on here for this conversation yeah. because it's I actually Rick and yeah, I, we'll talk about it here when we bring him on. Rick and I saw each other this weekend. We ran into each what? other. Yeah, randomly, of all times. Uh, let's go ahead and let's bring him on here. So I'm going to go ahead and dial him up, and we will uh, we'll get him in. Again, apologies to everybody for no video today. I'll, I'll put it on so Rick can see us, but um, I'll tell him that, unfortunately. And I will get that fixed. He knows. I told him. Yeah. Oh, I'm just apologizing to everybody. Stop apologizing. Eh, I feel fine. bad. I should warn you that uh, not unlike – I think this is going to be an ongoing situation, by the way, that I am like I, – I am, or at least I feel like – like about eighty percent loopy right now, so that'll either be great or terrible or both. Oh, oh yeah, no, that that's the entire world right now. That's yeah, one hundred percent. You are a okay. Uh, Welcome me now to Fun Employment Radio. Of course, it is our guest throughout the apocalypse for every Monday. It's Rick Emerson. <laughs> uh, Rick, so we we were just talking about before we brought you on, just about how this whole thing is like starting to seep into our dreams. We're having these weird, like stress dreams about things that never would have thought was a thing. Like Sarah just had one about, about somebody like being stuck in a shopping mall and I couldn't walk very fast. Like, you know, like when you get like molasses feet and you're kind of stuck to the ground and I don't know. Yes, if you've had that. Yes, I do. Yeah. So I have that a lot. And mine was, I was walking through a mall and I was trying to like hurry to get out of there. And there were all these people around me and they all started coughing on me and I could not get out. And it was just, it was so weird. Cause I've never, ever had a dream you know where i'm fearing people coughing on me so it's just weird how it's getting into your you know into yeah, your you're mind very psyche yeah well i mean I, look at the bright side i mean the good news is you don't have to spend a lot of time analyzing that to try to figure out what it's trying to tell you <laughs> correct i mean that's a that all seems to be right there's no subtext that's just all right there on the surface that's <laughs> just a uh it's I, you know i was thinking about this actually because it's i went through this period a while back it was like maybe two years ago two and a half years ago where i had I never was able to figure out what was causing it, if it was like something in my diet or something and whatever. But for like two weeks, every night I would have, and I know that it's fundamentally boring to talk about your dreams, so I won't like dwell on it. But I'm just going to say that like every night for like two weeks I had, it's not just that they were sort of like frightening or, you know, dreams or nightmares. It's that they were totally lacking in any sort of like nuance or symbolism. In other words, they were just completely straightforward. 
forward. So I like I literally had one where I was just on the Titanic for hours as it sank, what? which is, you know, I mean, you know, and then I had one where I and then I had one uh, where I was um, uh, just uh, standing. What was the other one? There was one where I was like, I think I was li- like just standing on top of a volcano as it exploded. <laughs> and then I just was immolated by fire. I mean, oh, it was like wow. nothing. There was no interpreting. It was just like, you know, it was literally, you know, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. So I was um, gonna, I want more about the Titanic one because you know how obsessed I was about that movie. And like, you know, the, oh, man. So what, I, what were you? Were you like um, were you in steerage? Were you like a, an employee? <laughs> was I, yes. Jesus, the water. Yeah, you couldn't. Cold. Have, but wait, he couldn't have been a rich person on the chair. Like, Those are the two. I was steerage or an employee. Sorry. Were you a waiter? What? I can I just can I just say by the way also um I I would try to demonstrate it now but of course this is technology hates me and so if I tried to do it it wouldn't work but it's I, long ago I changed the um on my iPhone because like with the Echo you know you're stuck with the voice it comes with on the iPhone you can pick a male or female voice and then you can pick like different regions or accents for the voice so Siri on my iPhone is a uh, is is a um, it's a, a an Irish man and so like. Every time he does something, it's like occasionally he'll say, thank you, which is sort of great. Um, <laughs> although he did mispronounce Pogues, which I found unforgivable. He called it Pogues. Um, oh. But yeah, I know it was sad. I So I don't know why. I, I don't remember a lot about the Titanic. I think, honestly, it was like the, in the dream, it was almost like I'd been beamed there accidentally by like some laggard on the Enterprise because it was like the Titanic <laughs> was sinking and everybody's running around and. And I was literally just like standing at the rail, just sort of looking at the water going, well, this sucks. And then it was just like I, making no attempt to leave and just sitting there as the sank lower and lower, which did you ever uh, and this is mainly for Sarah, although it's really for anybody. Did you ever watch that amazing? I, I, I don't know if the game was any good, but there was like some game about, I don't know, shooting zombie Nazis on the Titanic or whatever. But the the game was less interesting than the way they promoted it and the way they promoted it and it's still online i'm assuming this video game company made a and it was cgi but it was you know really good cgi but it was a real time video of the titanic sinking and it was in other words like they figured out how long it took the titanic to actually sink from the moment it struck the iceberg it was like 3 3 hours and 22 minutes or whatever and so it was literally just this it was like you were in a boat's eye view so it was almost like you were in a a, a, like a lifeboat or something but it was just a three hour and 22 minute video of the titanic sinking in real time and i don't know why i watched it because like nothing good is going to come of that but it was i mean it was impressive but it was deeply deeply unsettling Uh, that's why you sent it to me i remember and i couldn't watch it because that was just it was too yeah unnerving too much. I don't know why I decided to, you know, and so that was, I, that's just in my head, like, forever, and so I think occasionally, like, you're, I think when it comes to dreams, your brain, it's like, you know, everybody has that drawer in their house under the microwave where you just keep all your crap, you know, and there's, like, a bunch of thumbtacks and, like, a half thing of, like, of lifesavers and then, like, some duct tape and, you know, like, a bunch of lighters that don't work, and I think your brain is like that, and so occasionally your brain, it's like a lint roller, and it occasionally just goes, uh, let's see, Titanic, uh, sausage, uh, mm-hmm. let's see, uh, Love Boat, um, also, uh, you know, uh, uh, a dachshund, and then it just makes a dream out of whatever it grabs or whatever it just sort of finds. And right now it's just, you know, people sneezing in elevators and stuff. So I don't know. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. it's it all is, bad. It is weird. So Greg was telling me too, that you guys bumped into each other somewhere this weekend. I don't, I don't know any details about this. 
Yes, we did, Sarah. <laughs> In human form? What? Like a, like a Jay Leno thing. So I understand that something weird happened. <laughs> and isn't that um, the weird thing that, like, it's weird that you saw another human? I'm like, oh, you saw another person. Tell me about it. Well, you know what's, you know what is weird is just as a side note, if I can, I mean, I would say I'm going to make this all about me, but it's like, the weird thing is, I think that we're all having the same set of, like, like the half, the same half dozen weird experiences right now, all of us. Like, everybody is losing track of what day it is, and everybody's losing track of time. Everybody's having bizarre dreams about somebody sneezing near them or breathing on them or whatever. I mean, everybody is, like, you know, thinking, like, normally I don't like to leave the house, but now suddenly, now that I can't, I want to. I never want to scratch my nose, but now that I'm told I can't, I want to all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, you know, and, like, when it comes to my diet, I was thinking about this. Like, I basically eat the same, like, three things all the time every day. Like, I have a tuna melt. I have some boxed macaroni and cheese, and then I have coffee, and that's kind of it. And but which has been fine for like forty six years or whatever. <laughs> but now suddenly I'm just like none of the food in my house looks good. It's all terrible. I want I want to get something else, and of course there isn't anything else, and I don't want to leave. So anyway, um, but one of those things is so yeah. So I was at Safeway, and I'm it's like a strange skill that we're all developing in real time together. So I'm walking through Safeway. And I'm like heading to the milk case or whatever. And it's like I pass and it's Greg, but I pass Greg. And it's of course like and of course he's like, you know, like everybody, he's like he's got his Jesse James on where he's got like a kerchief over his like mouth and his nose. And he's, you know, so I can only see like two inches of his face and like nothing else. And the same with me because I've got a mask on. And so we pass each other and then we stop and we do that double take of like, you know, and and it's. Like, I don't know that I could have identified anybody that way, you know, like two months ago. And now we've all just developed because several people like that. I sort of, you know, that are that I, you know, that I'll see at the store that, you know, because you see the clerks over and over again. And they sort of they obviously recognize me, but they recognize me from just this tiny little like slit above my mask, which is (laughs) which is a weird skill that we're all suddenly developing. It is strange because, I mean, from for me, like like I've seen you on Skype. You know, and when we're having these these meetings or whatever, these shows and same thing with some of my other friends. But there's something fundamentally like when I saw you as an actual person in front of me, like it threw me off for a minute. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. He's in human form here in front of me. I'm not like, used to seeing is, people. It's like it's the reverse of the uncanny valley. It's like you see someone, yeah. it's, you know, like seeing someone virtually is now normal and seeing them in person. Suddenly you're, it doesn't seem quite right somehow. Yeah, especially someone I know. Because I guess that's it. Like I've been to the grocery store and seen plenty of people I don't know. It but is. they're, you know, they're just there. It's weird when you see but. someone you know, too, because at least my first instinct usually when I see someone was to give them a hug. And now, yeah. you know, and now it's completely opposite of that. Instead of stepping towards someone, you basically like um, inadvertently step away from them just so you don't get too close. And it's it's just weird psychologically, especially for people who are huggers like me. Rick knows this for years. I'm, I've forced him to hug me. That sounds really creepy. Well, no, and it's, I mean, it's not just you. Many people, our friend Mike Chase uh, knows of, you know, that I, I mean, it's not like I have a phobia about it, but some people are into being hugged, especially by casual acquaintances. And by casual acquaintances, I mean, and again, it's this is clearly like it's it just is, this is I'm the obviously the weird one here. But it's but, you know, like we've all met people where I think especially I, this happens if you meet a friend of a friend. So like if you you know, if you meet somebody via a friend, that person sometimes 
it's like they're grandfathered in sometimes. And so like when you leave, like they'll give you a big hug because it's like because you have a friend in common, suddenly they feel close to you and they'll give you a hug. And, and I'm, I'm just not one of those people. And so our friend Mike Chase would occasionally if I hadn't seen him in a while, he would just come up and he would like envelop me in this large man hug. <laughs> And then, but then he would like hold on for like sixty seconds. Oh yeah, he oh. held on way too long, way too long. He just go, oh, it's so good to see you, Rick. And he would just like hold me in this long hug until I was just like my skin was crawling off of me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so now we're all entering my world of sort of a I'm hugging you inside, but not really. Stay over there. That's true. I mean, as much as I do like hugging, I don't like being hugged when I don't want to be hugged. So it is kind of. It is the balance, I, I suppose. Like, I, I can't hug people that I want to anymore. But then again, I'm free of, like, creepy people trying yeah. to hug me. Or, like, the back hug or something like that. Like, oh, that's the back the hug. The Never back do a back hug. Yeah. What's no. a back hug? Oh, where you walk up behind somebody and, like, put your arm around them, give them a hug that no, way? No, I, I think that's called assault. Right? <laughs> yes. Who does that? Who sneaks up behind someone? Tickle, tickle. Oh, people do that a to me all the time because they know I don't like it. I but. Know. <laughs> The, well, and so here's a weird thing. I was thinking about this, and again, I'm you know like a one one of a billion people probably thinking this, but it's, I mean, the longer this goes on, because you know some days you think like, well, okay, this will be over any day now, and then some days you're like, well, this is just how it is for the rest of my life, and so I, then you start to think about like how long does it take for, in other words, how long does this situation have to persist before habits or behaviors become habits and how long does it take habits to become just a lifestyle mm-hmm. and the way you are um because i was thinking it first started with like um because i made that joke about people who were trying to stop washing their hands and how that's just all been undone but then i was thinking about like will this make like nail biting a thing of the past people who chew on their fingernails um and then then i was thinking about this so i've talked a lot about in various contexts about my uh my grandparents and my grandparents were all depression era people and my grandfather my my dad's dad my paternal grandfather so he was like a crazy hoarder and um and you know and when i say crazy i mean like he hoarded stuff but he also hoarded things like he would never use like he hoarded like tampons and shit just all kinds of bizarre stuff and and i know where all of that came from like even as a kid i was like oh i knew about the depression and i was like okay well he he hoards stuff because of the depression and i i sort of understood it but i couldn't really identify with it or empathize with it like i kind of knew intellectually but i couldn't really you know grasp it or whatever but the longer this goes on it's like in real time i can i feel like i can see a change happening to everyone between the age of like seven and you know dead now to where like in 30 you know years there's going to be a whole generation of us that you know that a are like don't hug me don't touch me don't shake my hand and also that are like, I've always got to have extra toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, like, we are totally becoming our own grandparents. We're like in 30 years, kids are going to be like, oh yeah, he's, he's one of those like Corona guys from that generation. No, it's fine. Just buy him some paper towels. He just, he needs them. And it's, it's a, it's weird to sort of see stuff like that changing, maybe if not permanently, but at least for the long term. Like, it's sort of like when you, like, look at the rings in a tree and you can see like, oh, this year's when there was like mosquito blight and this year's when there was a fire. I feel like there's going to be a like a whole generation that just has their trajectory and their behaviors permanently altered because of this. And it's weird to sort of be aware that that's happening and to see it happening. I think it's kind of I mean, I don't know if you can compare it to 9-11, but as one of those events, you know, where it's like this is this is a game changer. 
you know, for everything. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, nothing pre nine. Nothing's ever been exactly like it was pre nine eleven. Oh gosh, no, no. I mean, there's so much that changed on that. But now we are all used to it, to where it's just like that's just standard. Go through a whole bunch of security. Yep. You know, these are the things that you, you can't deal bring with. Anything liquid. Don't yeah. bring anything liquid. Like, yeah, yeah. Take your shoes yeah, but- off. Like. You know what's weird is I actually speaking of nine eleven. So here's the thing I hadn't really thought about. I watched um, like about a year and a half ago. I watched Love Actually again, and I you know I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, but I hadn't seen Love Actually for a while, and um, and I watched it again. And you know, there's that that scene at the end. This is not like a spoiler or whatever. If anybody hasn't seen it, just get off your ass. What are you doing? Watch Love Actually. You have nothing else to do. <laughs> How have you avoided um, it at this long? Actually, <laughs> right. But it's like so. There's that scene at the end where the um, where Liam Neeson takes his kid to the airport because you know he like he has the crush on the girl from school and he wants to sort of tell her. And I hadn't really put together at the time how significant this was, and when that movie came out because it came out I think just like a year or two after 9/11. It came out like maybe 2000, the end of 2002. And when he takes his kid to the airport and the, the the girl that he wants to sort of say like oh i'm i you know i have a crush on you and i think you're awesome i fancy you or whatever it's she's already like in the terminal and like heading for her plane and so the kid like slips it like the guard grabs a hold of him or whatever and the kid like slips out of his jacket and like runs past the guards into the terminal like toward where the girl's boarding the plane and i didn't realize until i watched it just recently what a weird, like, subversive sort of cathartic moment that was. I don't think I realized it when I first saw that movie, that it was it was a weird, because, like, that was a time where we were just being told, like, you can't do that and you can never do that again. Like, you can never run to meet someone when they get off the plane. Like, mm-hmm. you just, you'll, and, and to watch. I, so I wonder, you know, how things like what's happening right now in, a, you know, a year or two, how those will, things will show up in, in films, because it is Greg's right, which like this is really like a, you know, it is a thing that has, I think, already permanently, you know, you wonder like what things we'll be able to go back on and what things will, you know, we will just never return to, um, you know, just because of, of being unsure if we'll, you know, if it'll happen again. And just, you know, at certain times things become, as I said, they become habits. It's it's a weird. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said the word weird over the last but few it weeks, is but weird. it really yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, you got to wonder if, like, even concerts going back, like, when that day is, will they just sell, like, a third of the tickets and you'll all be spaced out and the, with, like, little dividers And if, if we even get to that point, you know? I, I actually have to say, and I'm glad you mentioned this because it's – um, so I was thinking, you know, because I feel like the last time I was on, I was, I was sort of a buzzkill because I was talking about how, you know, I'll probably never see Paul McCartney now and whatever, and I was feeling kind of down about it. But I, I did want to say that I actually had two moments, like – almost back to back a couple of days ago that that were sort of great actually um uh, one was point one was sort of poignant one was actually kind of great because i do believe that this is sort of you know that we will get past this and things will return to normal probably gradually and not as fast as we want but but i had these two moments with two different songs um that just came on I was, they were just like on the music the overhead or whatever one was and, you know, I know people have a, a lot of people have a hang up about the Eagles or whatever. So that's that's their own problem. But I uh, but I heard um, Take It Easy by the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And and I you know, I'm a big like a lot of people. I'm a big fan of there's that second stanza where he says, um, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford stopping, slowing down to take a look at me. And I thought, you know, that's just a great line, great stanza anyway. But I thought, you know, that. In just that one stanza, it is such a – it depicts 
depicts such a and I think a quintessentially American sort of moment and this sort of, you know, the the idea that in America that, you know, you you do have this freedom of movement and this freedom of getting in your car, driving wherever you want to. And there's such a thing in this, you know, that we have such a thing in this country of, you know, of just, you know, being able to move freely and go where you want and the the romance of the open road and meeting a stranger and that, you know, as as corny as it sounds, that that's a thing that I don't know. I was just really struck by what a perfect moment he describes in that and how, you know, I like to think that when this is all over, I'll appreciate that again. The idea that, you know, that you can just, you know, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, that you're just walking around in public and, you know, the pretty girl stops and you get into the car and you're talking and whatever. And it's like and you don't have to have all of this weird mental chess in your head about what you can do and what you can't do in terms of safety and the virus and all that. And and then the second thing was. I uh, a couple of years ago, I saw this band, the Builders and the Butchers, who are a Portland band. Oh, yeah. And I'm a big fan of them. And they did a show at a place called The Old Church, which is, as the name implies, it's a former church and it's in downtown Portland. And is that the one right next to um, like 26 right near that exit? Uh, Yeah, it's like by that. It's kind of it's like by it's like on Jefferson and 11th, I think, sort of by that Safeway down there. Yep. I know. And. And they did, uh, and it's just a great place to see a show. And it was, and I'm like, and I love that band anyway. And it's, but it, that show, and I thought this at the time, I mean, it's probably the best live show I've ever seen. And their music, you know, they're a little bit sort of Decemberist-y, but they have a lot of, I mean, they're not like a religious band, but they have a sort of a lot of gospel elements. And I remember thinking at the time that it was, you know, it was almost like it had a revival feel. It was almost, you know, that it was just one of those things where the whole crowd was just, you know, everybody was just sort of on the same, on the same plane and everybody just had the same energy going on. And I, at that moment, when I heard that song, I thought, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, what's really I almost can't even think about it because it's so overwhelming. The idea that I can't imagine how amazing and sort of I can't even imagine what the emotional impact and payoff will be in four months or nine months or six months or whatever. The first time that all of us, you know, everybody will have their own experience, probably. But the first time that you go to a concert when all this is over and everybody is able to, you know, because there's a very sort of human tribal thing about that, about gathering all in one place and sort of everybody sort of acknowledging like, hey, we're here and we're alive and we made it and all of that. And I I remember uh, speaking of 9-11 and then I'll and then I'll shut up. I remember after 9-11, about 18 months after that, Bruce Springsteen, uh, it was, I think, the first E Street Band album their first reunion i mean they had reunited after like a long time and it was also the first album after 9-11 that he put out and they have this song called the rising and it was all about you know and it's all about and the chorus is just come on down for the rising and it's very much like a religious sort of theme of like of like we are all meeting and joining tonight to like give praise and thanks and whatever and i remember the first time i heard that song i mean i think i just started like crying on the spot because it was just because it was act not because it was sad, but because it was like so such a release and so cathartic. It was a very like revivifying moment. And I, you know, I, you know, whatever the first concert anybody sees after all this is over is, I mean, I think it's just going to carry just a, probably just a massive emotional punch to it in a good way. I mean, that's I'm really, you know, that's a thing I'm really looking forward to. It's the first time that there is like a large communal event, you know, that I go to after this. 
Yeah, I think what's weird about going through this too is like I like today even when I was uh, I went to the grocery store and I was stopping and I was actually thinking I'm like, you know what? Remember this and what this feels like because this isn't going to be forever. And so I just tried to like take a moment to kind of to like grasp the fucking strangeness of everything that was happening just to make sure that I have like, you know, an imprint in my brain as to like what it feels like at this particular moment when it's all over. So that way it'll make me even more grateful for what we do get to have after all of this. Yeah. I've been fantasizing about the idea of this, because there's a concert that I really want to go to this summer. Well, there's multiple ones that have already been canceled, but I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan and went to their show like a couple of years ago when they were in Seattle. And for me, it's just, I, I fucking love it because it's just, it brings back memories. It's just pure rock and roll and heavy metal and it's just fun. And they're supposed to be playing on August, I think August 2nd or 3rd, I don't even know anymore, um, in Seattle. And, have, and there's a bunch of us that got tickets to it. And so I'd been thinking like, okay, well, this will this will be over by, you know, a certain time. Then that show's still going to go on. It's going to make it that much better. And I know it's probably not going to go on. It may even already be canceled because um, I, I, I don't want to look. I haven't even I don't want to look to yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I totally agree. Like once that does finally come back, whatever that first show is that you see, whoever the band is, whatever the performance is, it will have, yeah, that, that emotional impact. Well, I, it's funny because so in August, my brother is supposed to go see, he has tickets to go see Rage Against the Machine in New York. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know if that'll happen or not. You know, we'll see. But it's, you know, and, and, but it's, it's funny because the, so that's, you were saying that Guns N' Roses, that's in Seattle. Uh, where are they playing in Seattle? Is it the Seattle Center? I don't even know what. I think it was what, the, the arena, whichever. That no, uh, I think it's, it's not CenturyLink. It's the, I think it's the Mariner Stadium is where they're playing. Is that where we saw them last uh, that's, time? No. Oh, a smaller no. one. We saw, no, it, same size, I think. But okay. it's just the, uh, the other stadium right next to that stadium. So there's, uh, yeah. So there's Guns N' Roses happening in August, and then, but in September, um, because they've been doing a farewell tour. So in September, uh, presumably, Kiss is playing their final, their last ever Portland show, and it's Kiss and David Lee Roth, and you know, and you know, and anybody who's seen Kiss or even who just sort of knows about Kiss knows that you know, it, you know, they're sort of. It's that thing that is sort of, you know, either cheesy or inspiring or both, depending on how you view it. But but, you know, they're very about the like Paul Stanley does all these great stage raps about, you know, that, you know, the, you know, the power of rock and the, you know, the, the redemptive, you know, power of music and bring us bringing us all together and all of that. And it's just and it's such a, you know, such a and, you know, and a lot of music is like this. It's such a celebration of life and a celebration of, you know, of of, you know everything that you know you sort of live for and you know that's uh i you know so who knows when this is you know if it, if, if it's going to be this summer or whatever but it's um you know that's a that's a thing that is sort of you know because i do think that we will you know get through this maybe sooner than we think and i you know that's a that's almost a, a, a you know a book or a series or whatever that somebody needs to be keeping track of you know the you know that you know to see what you know, what those gatherings around the world look like when they all start to happen. Oh, um, yeah. Have you seen those pictures that people are taking um, when they're going on their daily walks of, like, people quarantined at their houses and they're taking them from the streets of, like, people with their housemates or with their kids and dogs and stuff, but, you know, from the street onto their porches or through their windows? Like, those are some totally inspiring images that I've seen, like, just in Portland and, like, all over. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's, you know, it really is... Um, you know, again, it's like I, I'm I'm happy to be sort of surprised by the way that a lot of this is unfolding, because it's I think that I think especially, you know, three or four weeks ago, I think there was this sense that like 
I don't know, at least I occasionally had the sense that like shit was about to just totally come apart and go sideways. That, you know, it was just going to be, you know, that we were totally going to like lose our collective, you know, minds and everything. It was just going to be, you know, maybe not riots, but that, you know, but that the sort of societal fabric was going to, you know, kind of come undone a little bit. And, you know, and I'm really, at least so far, that hasn't happened. And it's been kind of the opposite. It is weird how it is strange to me how, uh, I mean, do you guys feel that like with a lot of people that maybe, you know, people that you are friends with or acquaintances with, but that you maybe didn't see all that often, but that now you actually feel sort of closer to them, even though you can't see them or be with them in person, but you somehow feel like you have a kind of a more like a, a more connected or intense relationship with some people, even if it's just online. I do. I mean, I've been getting a hold of like friends that I don't really talk to on the phone or anything anymore, but now since we are all used to using like zoom and you know, any of mm-hmm. like, like Facebook live or whatever, like I've been talking to like friends that I haven't spoken to in years. And it's been awesome because it just gives you, cause everyone's kind of on the same level at this particular junction. So it's like, well, might as well reach out to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've got friends that I haven't talked to seen in person. Yeah. Same thing. And like Friday night, it was like, Hmm, I wonder what Josiah and Kaylee are up to. Boom. And then like two minutes later, we're talking in a video chat. Just. Yeah. How about you? Rick? How, do you how do you feel about it? I well, I mean, I think it's 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 it is a weird, um, it is a strange, you know, sort of uh, intensified connection. I think because again, it's you know, because even if you sort of care, what I mean, I sort of I was thinking about this actually that um, you know anybody who has gone through, you know, any sort of traumatic event in their life, you know, anybody who's been had a bad firing or a divorce or just been on, you know, if somebody's been on crutches for six or eight weeks or whatever, I think. I think one of the worst things about going through any sort of traumatic incident is the sense or the realization that the rest of the world is even if the re- even if people care that the rest of the world is going on without you. That's, you know, and that's on a, and that's just part of life, that's what happens, but it's, you know, the the sense that if something horrible happens to you that the re- that the world as a whole just keeps on rolling and you sort of look out the window and you see, you know, it's easy to feel like everybody else is just, you know, a bunch of pinwheeling fun seekers and that and that you are stuck in this weird frozen moment of being sad or unhappy or injured or sick or whatever. And everybody else is going about their business. And that can actually be almost the most isolating thing about those circumstances. But right now, you know, there's just just in this country there's you know 300 million people that are all looking you know they're all going to be going through this long gray summer which on the one hand is terrible but on the other hand you know is a truly shared thing and i think the one again it's hard to call anything a silver lining but the one i think good thing about this is that you know from now until from now until the rest of our lives at least for people who are alive now the one thing you won't ever have to worry about is you know it's like the dream thing it's like do you ever wake up from you have a terrible dream you know and so you wake up and you're you know you have a dream that just rattles you awake and you wake up and you immediately have three thoughts the first is oh my god that dream was terrifying the second thought is okay i have to go tell somebody about this terrifying dream and the th- mm-hmm. third thought is except i shouldn't because no one cares about my dreams it's impossible to convey <laughs> to somebody else that a dream was terrible and even if they pretend to care, you can see their eyes glazing over and they're like making a note to avoid you at lunch because they don't want to hear any more about your dream. This, though, is a thing that everybody alive right now will truly you're not going to have to try to convince anybody that it was bad or that it was as bad as it felt to you. They'll all know. I mean, they will un- they will know 
definitively and that that's that's a valuable thing that you know that that we you know you'll be spared that isolation of feeling like oh my god i'm the only one who went through this because you are definitely not well and that's that's absolutely true and i think one of the things just with the music side of things is that we're gonna get some really good music after this is all over it's gonna be yeah, what people be, are writing right now. I'm and, sure is going to be incredible. Have you heard Fiona Apple's new album? I, I actually have, haven't listened. I to haven't it. listened to it yet either. But I was planning on it this, this afternoon, but it's supposedly I, like amazing. I just read a review of it yesterday. First of all, I love the fact that it's called "Fetch the Bolt Cutters." That's kind of fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I just read a review uh, of it, and I was I didn't know what it was coming out, and I read it, and I was you know, and I was uh, so I had sort of put it in my put it in my queue of things to listen to. So I'm going to make a note to myself. Uh, right now, uh, Fiona. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do too. Oh. Also, speaking of concerts, uh, I do need to know if and when you do get to see Kiss this this summer or you know later in this year, are you going to be wearing your makeup again? <sighs> it's the last uh, time. I, I mean, think- I I mean probably only because I mean it does seem, and I feel like in a weird way, I feel like this has maybe sort of put the put the the the, the capper on it. I feel like this truly is their farewell tour i mean i you know bands do that a lot but i feel like i get the sense that this would this already was going to be the last tour they did and you know that's a it's it's a i yeah i mean i think so i mean then how can i not i mean it's you know they've just made they've been such a huge part of my life and also you know they've just i mean the thing about kiss is you know i i I don't know if this is like i I don't know the thing about kiss is that they are, I think, I don't get credit for this. I think Chuck Klosterman, someone who said this, but he said that, you know, he said whether, whatever anybody thinks about them musically and whether you're into them or not, he said they are, without a doubt, inarguably, they are the most influential American rock band of all time and and the most influential rock band of all time, period, except for the Beatles. I mean, except for the Beatles, no one has had a larger influence on pop culture in terms of a rock band than Kiss, and even if, you know, even people who don't listen to Kiss have been affected by them because they've affected so much of, you know, of the last 50 years of music, and so, and it's, you know, very much a tribal sort of, you know, here's a weird thing, do, like, are there people out there that, like, write sort of scholarly analyses of of the comparison between, like, the overlap between the Kiss thing and the Juggalo thing? I mean, they do seem to be very... Like, they're alternate universe versions of each other, right? There are some memes of that. Yeah. I've seen some memes associated with it. But, yeah, I don't know about the scholarly overlap, how that all works out. I I mean, maybe there's not a lot of scholarly work about Juggalos (laughs) yet or whatever. But it's – but every – you know, whenever I would drive by the Hawthorne Theater back when they were open and I would see, you know, kids out there with like – because Twisted or whoever was going to be there. And there's a bunch of of dorks in their clown paint. And, I mean, I always am just very, you know, uh, like I – I mean, I can sort of recognize that that's silly and, and dumb the same way that Kiss is silly and dumb. But at the same time, there's something kind of awesome about that. And I uh, so that's a long, long, long way of saying, yes, I will probably dress like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can touch human faces again at that point and you need some help, I will help you like I did. What was that, like 15 years ago when we went? I don't even oh my remember. God, at least because it was like you and me and Dennis Pitsenbarger. Oh, and... God, before you went all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Ben. Uh, it's hey. Just speaking of this, there's two things. Uh, I was thinking about this. Speaking of music, you know, because um, you know, uh, R.I.P. Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Um, yes. Uh, 
if this isn't being done now, somebody there really needs to be some sort of a tribute album called Wait For It, That Thing You Did. Boom. Um, so somebody needs to be working on that. Also, you know what's poised for a comeback right now? Drive-in movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing um, – so I'm friends with – it's a friend of mine from high school. Her crazy sister is uh, actually going – like she lives in some state. I can't remember where it is. But they're doing like um, drive-in church services. Right, right, doing yeah. that, yeah, which I, I thought was actually kind of interesting. But, I mean, like, so they all – like the, the – the mm-hmm. preacher or whatever like broadcasts onto the onto their right thing in their car so they leave their windows rolled up and sit there and like listen to this service in a drive-in it's better so than some the, of the other ones that are having full-on masses you know yeah right so is that so if because i because i mentioned this to um somebody i was like hey you know drive-in movies need to come back right now because blah 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 you know you can be because that drive-in movies are sort of the perfect thing because you can be you can be alone together you know or together alone however you want to describe it and and his response he's like oh yeah churches are doing that so does that like if you go to a drive-in church thing is the is the preacher or whatever like up front on the screen is he there or is it just like all right, so I'm looking at this in South Carolina, and it looks like the preacher is on a stage, and then everyone's just kind of parked in the in the lot. Huh. Okay. Interesting. And then this other one, it isn't a drive-in theater, but they're on, like, the roof of the church. That makes sense. And they can all see them, see the preacher. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. That's really interesting, because, you know, because there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, I think we talked about this last time about... Um, you know, people are, you know, going online and they're doing performances of music and comedy and whatever. And, and I, and that's awesome. And I'm glad that technology lets us do that at the same time, as we all know, there's, I think a certain human need, especially if you're a performer, I mean, it's gotta be really weird right now. If you're like a, like a, like a standup comic or something performing online, because I think anybody who's done any live performance of anything, I mean, whether it's in a band or, you know, in a play or whatever, you know, there's like a, yeah, you sort of need the audience there uh, just not only to gauge your performance, but also just there's like that's just it's just it's it's just a it's just something your brain sort of craves in a weird way. And so I wonder, you know, if this idea can be sort of adapted to, you know, to comics and to other people that, you know, in this in between period before things are totally back to the way they used to be, the idea of a drive in style uh, you know, presentation of like stand-up comedy or something, because you you wouldn't even you know you because what with the internet and all you know you wouldn't even need the actual drive-in setup with the little speaker on the window and all that. I mean, it could just be literally a thing of people in their cars with their phone, and then you know whoever is on stage doing his thing, and you're all sort of you know in your car doing it. I mean, that's that's an interesting sort of in-between step. And so then it's like futuristic and retro at the same time. And I've always, and I've lamented the passing of drive-in movies anyway. And so this is a great way to sort of get back to that. Oh man. I loved going to the drive-in theater in Bremerton. I have many fun memories from there. So hopefully what maybe, was the, yeah. Well, what, what movie do you think of when I say drive-in movies? What's the first movie you think of seeing at a drive-in? Um, I don't remember the first one, but the one that specifically stands out in my head was when um, we'd go to the theater in Whidbey Island and they would do the double header, um, but like we didn't all want to pay, so I would hide. I hid in the trunk of my friend's car, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you you get in, and I remember it was Pocahontas, and then the second movie, I shit you not, was Species Two. Whoa! 
Yeah, or species. One of the two. I can't remember which one it was, but it was the blonde alien lady species. Yeah. I remember yeah. because it was the wholesome movie first. It was Pocahontas <clears> and then <throat> Species. Like, <laughs> so that was like one fuck? for the kids, one for dad? Exactly. One for mommy and daddy after. <laughs> so that was – that's what I vividly remember, but I, I don't know. I went to a ton of them. I went to a lot of them too because we had the one in Dallas, Oregon. But my buddy Tim, he actually in high school, he ran the gate – so we would all pack up into into these cars and just like load a ton of us in and he'd be like, ah, oh, two, please. You know, and just like he would charge you for like two and then we would bring him back. Uh, Tim, you're not getting in trouble for this. We bring him beer. That's how we would oh, pay yeah, for it. Beer. So, yeah. yeah so we would walk, walk back and give Tim a couple of beers and that's how Excellent. we would pay for the uh, all right, for going to the drive in. And for you, Rick, what movie do you associate with? This is really dumb. I don't know why this is the one I think of. It's um, it's, it's the movie. um. It's the movie Vibes with Jeff Goldblum and Cyndi Lauper. Um, it's just it's a terrible film. Holy it's, shit, uh, I remember that movie. I loved that movie. Oh, yeah, my I God. I, I haven't seen it forever, and I don't know why that's the one, because I saw a lot of drive-in movies. I don't know why that's the one that might... Hey, stop barking. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Ollie ran into this room earlier before we even... Just yeah, the he, very beginning he of the show. He nudged the door open, just, just like, boom, hi, guys, in. what's going yeah. on? <laughs> what are you doing in here? Silence. Oh, your little fluff balls are making noises. That's adorable. Experiment. Um, yeah, they were barking it. It's you know that thing of like, uh, there's a meme that goes around where it just shows a dog and a couch, and the the, the caption just says, um, you know, I don't you I don't often bark at night, but when I do, it's for no reason. And so that's the <laughs> like there are people that come and stand on the porch, and the dog somehow will be oblivious, but then like a squirrel will somehow run over the house, and you know, and like a like a like an acorn will like fall to the ground, and then suddenly just they just go berserk. Um, no, I remember seeing vibes with Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum, and and then the and then it has a she sings this song on the in the closing credits called "There's a Hole in My Heart That Goes All the Way to China," which I've only ever heard like once, I think like in that movie. And yet I somehow just know it because like that night is somehow just like seared into my brain. My brain is latched onto that movie to represent the whole driving experience for me. It makes no sense. Wow. I remember, they're like psychic or something, right? Isn't she psychic? Yeah. Well, I, and there's I can't a thing. remember. I remember it wasn't great, but I remember I really liked it. I think there's literally a thing. I might be confusing this with um, all of me with Steve Martin and, and Lily Tomlin. But I think there's literally a thing where like, like somehow like her soul gets captured in like a like a magical bronze bowl of some kind, and then it falls out the window and lands on somebody else's head, and then so, like, then her soul is in Jeff Goldblum's body, possibly. It's, I, that doesn't even sound like it could be a real movie, and yet, you know, I mean, it's no, it's no baboon heart or whatever, but I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> Oh, good callback. Oh, I do want to give a shout-out to our friend Chris, uh, who sent it to me. He's like, I, he was going through all of his uh, CDs, and he has not seen the movie, but he does have the soundtrack for it, so he sent me the Untamed Heart soundtrack. Wow. Yes, which is yeah. a solid soundtrack. Which we still... Greg, or Rick, have you watched it yet? Untamed Heart? No. Okay. Well... Wait, let me write down Untamed Heart and Fiona Apple. Untamed Heart. That is your homework. You, let me ask you this. When you think about Fiona Apple, do you always just picture, like, I, whenever I picture Fiona Apple, which admittedly is not like all the time, but when I do, I always just picture it being 2 a.m. in her, like, apartment. Like, it's never daytime. It's always just nighttime. And she's always just sitting in the middle of a hardwood floor scribbling angry poetry. Oh, see, I picture it's that just, same thing, but, like, her in a bathtub angry scribbling poetry I, or something. I picture her, like, slumped over a piano with, like, empty I, bottles around I could see that. She, I mean, I love Fiona Apple. She does seem like, uh, she does seem like the kind that would occasionally just like set your stuff on fire on the oh, front. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. 
No, and that's why Greg Greg is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She can set my stuff on fire. <laughs> he looks very enthusiastic. No, I'm just saying that she does. She has that vibe. Yeah. She would have set something on fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Reminds me of a couple people. Anyway. I don't, not, so I don't know why that got all awkward all I don't of a know. Why are you not talking? You think I was waiting for you to say something, and then <laughs> no, you're just like, just, oh. I was just agreeing. No, his face is bright red, and he's playing with some sort of lock right there. You just looked a little nervous. <laughs> no, just like Fiona Apple is just one of those, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, again, I uh, this sounds like I'm sort of slamming. I'm, I am a big fan of her, but she is like, she is like an, uh, she is like a, like an object lesson in the why you don't date a songwriter, <laughs> because... Because you've only got two choices. You you know, either stay with her for the rest of your life and make sure she's happy, always. Or, like, if you break up, you have to, like, move to Antarctica and, like, never come out again. Because, like, she's going to write something about you. Like, it's it's going to be bad. Like, the, the fallout from that will be, oh, will yeah. be, will be unpleasant. Oh, 100%. For you. Yeah. No, that's why I'm kind of interested to see, like, who has um, garnered her wrath for this new one. <laughs> like, what, it, what the songs are about. Because I'm pretty curious. So that's I'm going to do it, too. Yes. All right. Can I just... And, and can I just say real quickly, I want to, I, I don't want to identify the, uh, I don't want to identify the story here, but I just want to point out something really absurd that uh, I, I don't understand this. So, so I've been putting up for the longest time. So because I'm old, I have, uh, I wear what they're, they're polite enough not to call them bifocals, but I wear progressive lenses <laughs> or whatever. And, and I've just been putting off getting new ones and whatever. And, but it's like, but I, you know, suddenly I was gripped by this fear. It was going to be like that Twilight Zone episode where somehow my glasses would break and then I wouldn't be able to see anything and I'd be <laughs> fucked and whatever. And you can read anything like, should... you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I, fuck, I should, I should just finally get some new glasses or get a backup pair of glasses. So I went to um, a, a a a prominent, uh, you know, a prominent nationwide. I went to Walmart. That's that's really what I was going to say. Um, at, at just because like progressive lenses are so insanely expensive, and nobody and none of the labs are really open anyway. And so the thing that I didn't understand. So anyway, and so like and and you know, and I was going to get them from Warby Parker, but Warby Parker's like even even from them, like progressive lenses are really really crazily expensive. And so I called Costco. Costco wasn't doing them. And then I called Walmart, and Walmart's optometry department. They were like, yeah, we're open. And so I went in. And. I mean, I'm sure there's a reason for this, but but I went in and and, you know, and, and it was I, I said, hey, so, you know, I, I need to get a pair of progressive lenses made or whatever. Anyway, so the upshot of this is that. So there this makes no sense to me. So they're not currently making eyeglasses. Um, they're not currently making any prescription eyewear, any sort of, you know, like like prescription sunglasses or whatever. And. And so she said, basically, she said, I'm sorry, we can't help you, you know, come back like maybe at the end of May or in June and maybe we might be making eyeglasses again. And so I actually said, OK, well, uh, thanks for telling me, by the way, you know, wh why are you why are you even open? You know, if you're not making eyeglasses, like why there's this, like woman sitting behind the desk at Walmart's optometry department. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, why are you even open if you're not doing anything? And she said, well, we're not making eyeglasses, but we are still selling contact lenses. And. That seems really counterintuitive to me because why would you be selling something to people right now that requires them by definition to put their finger in their eye twice a day? That doesn't make a lot of sense. No. I mean, I'm sure they have some sort of rationale or whatever, but oh, it was like just money. That's probably their rationale. Just like, oh, well, I, you know, low. Yeah. Doesn't yeah cost maybe. 
it was really weird. I wanted, I mean, I, I was, I wanted to ask her about it, but I didn't want to feel like she was being interrogated or something by a guy in a mask. So it was just very weird. Like it had like made no sense to me that they're, apparently people are still selling contact lenses. Right it doesn't now, make so. sense why they wouldn't make eyeglasses. I don't. Right. Yeah. I don't, no, get I don't that uh, part. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, the mysteries of the world. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you, Rick. Thank you for joining us again. And so like before next week, uh, let's see next week we can discuss uh, music that we've listened to. Maybe you're yes. maybe not Fiona Apple. And plus, um, I will also try to watch Untamed Heart so that we can discuss that at great length <laughs> next week. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> and and because these are just piling up on this list of stuff I have here, uh, you can't see it, but I have, a, I have a lengthy list of just dumb thoughts that occur to me. So I'm trying to do like two of these every time just so I can get this list whittled down. Um, so last time I had the, the suggestion about, you know, uh, Israel ought to have an aquarium, blah, blah, blah. I am the walrus. Um, Yes. So I have two here. One, and this ties back to uh, the conversation about um, Guns N' Roses. Who are they playing with, by the way, Guns N' Roses? They did. I, they hadn't even announced who it was going to okay. be. Because it was going to be Smashing Pumpkins, um, but not in Seattle. So okay. I know they were – so I don't know. Never did find out. Uh, so this is, a, this is kind of an old school one. Um, Seattle ought to have a, like a, like a hair-cutting place called the Dome King. Dome King. All right, never mind. Oh, Whatever. Oh, no. Second one. Okay. This is, and then we'll, and then, then I'll bow out after this. Okay. This is better. There ought to be a barbecued place, a barbecue, uh, like a barbecue eatery called Ribs for Your Pleasure. Oh, that's good. See? Yeah. I, then it's honestly, like a, I like the Dome King. Yeah. I, would go, I would go to the Dome right. King. Well, see, you're, yeah, you're two for two because each of us right. like one well, of them. Well, I'll just scratch these off the list. Don't repeat these jokes. Thank you for sharing them. <laughs> All right, Rick Emerson, as always, All thank right. you, sir. See y'all. All right, have Check fun with your the apocalypse. I will. Everybody wash their hands. Okay. Yep, sounds good. <laughs> All right, we'll see talk you. to you next week. Bye. Rick Emerson, as always. National treasure. National treasure. All right. Well, we do have a birthday before we get out of here. We do. Um, and it is for Samane. Samane. I believe that we have a young lady who is turning two years old today. And in case you don't know, Samane uh, belongs to Keelan King. Yes. So. <laughs> and nobody belongs to anyone. Oh, belongs. Okay, yeah. sorry. She is her own woman. Keelan Dash King. kind of is, actually. Yeah, no, she is. She's, yeah. Samane's pretty badass. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So happy birthday, Samane. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Okay, dokily. Tomorrow on the show, I'm going to say this. Yes. I've got to talk about something that happened here. What do you mean? What happened? Uh, I actually posted about it on Twitter a couple of days ago, but I haven't talked about it here to you yet. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird stuff. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Yep. Oh, it's back? I don't yes, know. Yes, who's back? I'll explain back I'll explain back. tomorrow, but yes, something very, very strange happened here at the house. All right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, wow. we'll talk about that tomorrow. In the meantime, I want to say thank you to everybody who tunes into Fun Employment Radio. Whether you listen live or you listen via the podcast, we just appreciate it. Uh, please share the show. Let other people know about it. You know, I mean, I know you never know where our conversations are going to go, but that's what we're doing here throughout the apocalypse yep. that's why we're here for you every day but we're here but regardless of where the conversations go there will be a conversation every day yep so come and listen <laughs> yep and for those of you who celebrate happy 420 and all of that stuff 
hey, we all need reasons to celebrate right now, whatever it is. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So uh, for all that, and uh, and like and I said, send us an email. True. Yes. Join us for our Zoom chats. Thanks to everybody who joined us on Friday for our happy hour. We'll try to continue doing those, I think. Yeah, maybe we should Friday. do more than just Friday. We should try to maybe do another one at some point. Uh, then you will not be in charge of giving me shots during that. <laughs> because that has not worked out well for me for any of these. There will be a limit on that. <laughs> a severe limit. Fair. <laughs> All right. Fair. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow with more Fun Employment Radio. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.